This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. I'd like to shout out the biggest villain I know. It's the person that talks during the movie. Oh, that Makes, guy sucks. I hate that guy. And guess what? It's often me. Oh, anyway, no. And you know what? If I could talk to that guy, I'd say, how do you sleep at night? That's what I would say to this scourge of a person. <laughs> but I know what the answer already. I know the answer. Mattress Firm. Mattress mm. Firm has quality mattresses at every price for your best rest. Yes, even those who don't deserve to rest, like that person who talks during the movie, even they can get the bed that will make it happen from Mattress Firm. See a lower price at another retailer? Mattress Firm will match it up to 120 nights with their low price guarantee. Get matched at Mattress Firm's Memorial Day sale and sleep at night, even if you're a bad person. Restrictions apply. See mattressfirm.com or stores for details. Hi, my name is Fred Armisen. And I feel productive about being Conan O'Brien's friend. What does that mean? <laughs> You're such an oddball. <laughs> I've never met a man like you before, and I never will again. Wow, thank you. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walk and lose, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are going to be friends. Hello, this is Conan O'Brien. Welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, starring me, Conan O'Brien, narrated by Conan O'Brien. I'm just trying to get my name in as many times as possible. I also do most of the tech, technical engineering. No one one believes that. You wouldn't be hearing this. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what you're saying is I'm probably not very good at tech. With all due respect, you're an active hindrance to the tech. <laughs> true. I uh, I can't help it. It's just not not my strong suit. No, and that's not fair. You did really well today. Yeah, today uh, people don't realize uh, that during these times, these unusual times we're in, uh, it's necessary. Sometimes we can be in studio together, and sometimes we can't. Uh, today we're all separate, and so uh, I'm supposed to get on a you know my computer. And I'm supposed to, that's all I know. It's a computer. I don't know anything else about it. it. It's a computer. (laughs) And so, and then I'm supposed to, you guys talk me through the QuickTime player, and then you got to press this and drag that file. And uh, it's a sad commentary on my abilities. I do not think I'm made for the modern world. I am a 19th century man at best, probably more of a 17th century man. (laughs) Uh, I only get 17th century diseases. (laughs) Well, you're lucky. Yeah, I have palsy right now and the grip. Uh, Oh my God. Yeah, I have Biddler's Flux. Um, I take all different kinds of oils. Uh, When I get sick, uh, I I mix up a mustard plaster and I have it put on my chest and I lay in a four poster bed. I bleed myself occasionally to energize my bodily humors. What the hell? Well, you know, that that's how- real? Jo- yeah, you, that people used to bleed themselves uh, to, I mean, one of the saddest things you can ever read is about the death of George Washington, who was otherwise very healthy, still relatively young, and he went out for a ride in the rain, and he comes back to Mount Vernon, and he's not feeling great, and then he wakes up in the morning with a sore throat and a fever, and what happens? Because he's George Washington, immediately 
35 doctors come rushing in Mm. and say, we're here to save you, father of our nation. And they start to bleed him and they bleed him and they bleed him and they bleed him and they bleed him. And then finally, he just puts up his hand and says, enough, let me die. And he just dies. Oh Oh my God. God. I didn't realize that. Yeah. What are those four humors? Blood, phlegm, bile is one. Yellow bile and black bile. I think so. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. I mean, this is before people advanced to phrenology, where they were trying to determine what was wrong with you by what bumps you had on your head. So um, basically, I think if George Washington had immediately been rushed to a hospital and given some antibiotics- He'd be alive today. He'd be alive today. (laughs) (laughs) He'd have a lot to answer for. (laughs) So don't do that. If you're not feeling well- yeah. This is my public service announcement. Don't bleed yourself. Okay. Don't try to equalize your bodily humors. Mm. Now, we are rocketing into this year, 2021. We're all hoping it's going to be a oh, better year. We're rocketing in. We are. We're rocketing through it. Uh, Sona, are you having are you having a good year so far? Uh yeah. I haven't done anything. I binged. The show Bridgerton on Netflix in a day. I hear that that's literally a bodice ripper. That there's a lot of <laughs> oh that that's a that that it's one of those period dramas. But there's a lot of sex. Is that true? Yeah, I was sweating through some of it. It's wow. I know. I and I, I feel so like repressed. So oh my god! Can you know what? If you feel repressed, because you're the least repressed person I've ever met. Yes. If if this is a show that made you sweat. It would make me explode. Yeah. Just be. <laughs> my wife would hear me watching the beginning of Bridgerton. Ah, Bridgerton, here we go. No, no. And then the show <laughs> would start. And then three seconds into it, she'd hear a loud splat <laughs> and she'd come in and I'd be gone. There'd be a vapor and the walls would be covered with a reddish smudge. Oh, your four humors. <laughs> my four bodily humors all over the wall. Uh, oh, wow. So on. are you recommending it? Do you think I could watch it? Uh, I don't think you could watch it. I think it's a lot of fun. It's very soapy. It's a period. It's fun. There's lots of butts in it. And uh, yeah. And there's- I like a butt. I like yeah. to see a butt every now and then. I mean, I usually watch anything that's kind of softcore on Netflix because <laughs> that's all my friends talk about. <laughs> So basically, you'd watch the news. You'd watch a lot of the news, like financial news, if they were all naked people. Yeah. Giving the financial news. <laughs> Would be- you? How, who doesn't want their financial news like that? It'd be really funny if you suddenly became really smart about, no, 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 you've got a, that's a, <laughs> about stocks and about- Making all these business, and I'm like, wow, that's really impressive, Sona. And then I just found out that Netflix had a fi- a nightly financial news show that was very good and very in depth, but it was porn stars, uh, you know, telling you all this information while they're doing it, and it was really beautifully shot. Yeah, I think it, well, not porn stars, but like actual financial people, and they were just naked. I think like I, I, Kramer, that guy, Mad Money. You yeah. want him? Oh my god, I'd, I'd love to see Kramer naked. I've often dreamed of it, and now. To even think it's a possibility. Okay. Uh, no, him doing the exact same show where he's yelling and hitting a button and yelling and waving his arms, but he's just naked uh, would oh, be- and the camera goes in and out on him. Oh, okay. yeah. Well, I think we've gone, we've gone far enough with this yeah, one. Yeah. I'm going to pull sorry. us back on this one. Uh, Matthew Corley, how are you? I'm okay, you know. I mean, look at me. I've just let myself go to hell. Oh. No, you got a nice You got a nice salt and pepper beard. You, yeah. look, you look distinguished. I've given up. <laughs> No, you haven't. That's funny. You think you've given up and you just look like a very well-regarded anthropologist. That's, <laughs> That's you know. the nicest thing anyone's ever said to no, me. No, <laughs> you do. You look very, you know, it's not like you have a hillbilly beard. You have a very distinguished uh, good luck on the exam. It's been, a, it's been an honor knowing you all, uh, and, you know, and, and then you leave the dais, you know? That, yeah. you, you have that look. Oh, thanks. I feel better now. Okay. How are you doing? Well, thank you. I only asked you guys oh, yeah, we know. so that you could we, come around to me. We know. We know. And uh, hey, do me a favor. Edit out the parts where uh, <laughs> you guys talk about how you- <laughs> Oh, it's all just to get to you. <laughs> I'm the insane puppet master with no puppets. And Gorley's uh, the one who would do that. You're asking Gorley to just edit yeah. himself Gorley, out. the part where you tell us how you are as a human being, edit that out. You got it. And then put how I am on a loop. So it, go, it plays seven times with six commercials for various ways to save your photographs on glass. Um, oh, my God. 
still on it. It's, yeah. been, it's been years. It has not. Why did Fracture leave us? Why did? Because they were getting all the free advertising. And look at me again. Yeah. I'm talking about them again. Yeah. yeah. I'm doing uh, okay. I'm still optimistic about this new year. I do feel fortunate that, uh, that we get to make this podcast. I really yeah. do. Because I have to say, you know, we're not able to make the show right now in the theater the way we've been doing it uh, because of the surge here in Los Angeles. And so it's nice. Like I, I was really excited to, oh, I'm going to get to do the podcast and be silly with a really funny guest and talk to Sona and Matt. And I just, I was feeling grateful for that. Uh, because I'm telling you, first of all, in my house, everyone's tired of my shtick. Like my kids and my wife are really at it. They've been sick of it for a while. And I, you know, can you blame them? You have to understand why, right? Come on. You you hear you. <laughs> Devastating. That was a devastating. You hear you. Didn't I just the best condemnation I've ever heard? <laughs> Sometimes when my kids say like, "Oh my God, you've got to shut up," I'll say to them, "How do you think I feel? I'm in here." Yeah, and I gesture to myself, and they get really confused. Like, but wait, you're you, and I go, "I know, I'm trapped in me." Yeah. Well. We can't, we can't waste any time. We've got a, such a great guest today. We can't. And I always say that every time I say, we can't waste time. We've got fish to fry. And we really do have some top bass on the griddle today. No sense. Stupid analogy. Awful. My guest today was, of course, a cast member on Saturday Night Live for 11 seasons. Uh, he also created and starred in the hit IFC series Portlandia and voices Elliot on the Netflix series Big Mouth. I've known this gentleman for a very long time. I'm thrilled he is with us today. Fred Armisen. Welcome, Fred. Fred, you're a strange fellow. I do love you. I really do. And I'm happy that you feel productive. The feeling is mutual. About being my friend. But we have a lot to talk about. You are a hard nut to crack. I've known you since you came on my show in 2000. The year yeah. 2000, you came on my show as a stand-up. It is, um, this is going to sound like an exaggeration. It is a very vivid memory. And it was the first time I was ever on network TV. But the feeling I had was, oh my God, I love this. I remember the camera, the red light being on and everything. And you were so nice to me. Was I, I hope I was nice to you. I oh my God, really you were so nice. <laughs> oh, good. That was my yeah. introduction to TV. So thank you. And then did you notice that after me, like people... Like, no one else was as nice as me after that. Oh, like, geez. afterwards, no. other people were very... <laughs> Come on. Well, I just think the business is filled with cruel, arbitrary maniacs. And yeah. <laughs> I feel bad, Fred, that I gave you a false read on what show business is like. In the moment, I thought, maybe it's not always going to be like this. And it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> You're, you did stand-up. I mean, unlike everything else you do, it was really original. You didn't just come out and do jokes. You pretended to be a self-defense, I think, instructor. Yes, a self-defense expert. So I was very happy to meet you. And then, of course, you you started uh, gaining all this fame on Saturday Night Live. And I don't know how I feel about this, but there's a couple of people in my life who I've, I never have real conversations with. I only do bits with them. Uh -huh. And I mean only Mm -hmm. that, that, that I've never had a real interaction with them. Uh -huh. And you were one of those people who for years, when I was doing the late night show, you'd see me in the hallway or something and you'd be walking along wearing like very nicely dressed, wearing your beautiful dark rimmed glasses. And you would say, hello, Conan. And I would grab you and push you up against the wall and say, why are you Lauren's clown? You're just a clown. There's no real you. You're just a clown for Lauren Michaels. And I realized, I mean, I was, I don't know why I did that bit, but I just would do it over and over again. And you would always play along. And I realized, I think easily 15 years went by. I don't yeah. think we had, yeah. what was going on with those interactions? I loved those interactions because the idea of a clown in a building full of comedians. Yes, yes. <laughs> <so> <laughs> Such a such a strange concept that I'm like everyone's a clown, but you're like you're you're such a, you're not a clown. Yeah, I, I used to say there's so much more to you. I can see it in there, but instead you're choosing to be Lawrence puppet, Lawrence clown. And I'd be looking right into your eyes and and sort of grabbing you by the shoulders, like 
trying to shake sense into you. Oh, and then I loved I, it. Well, I hope so, because you could have charged me with some kind of crime. And one of the things I noticed with you is that you're you're able to shapeshift and become different people. It's, it's a real talent, uh, but also it can probably lead people around you to somewhat think, well, wait, who's the real Fred? I mean, I do feel like doing bits in the hallway or, or wherever we were in at... Um, at Rockefeller Center is like uh, you still make some kind of a bond. Just being, I don't know, there's something in it that like becomes friendly where it's yes. not, it didn't feel like just a bit. And then I think later we've had some real interactions and yes. conversations and stuff. And I've been to your house, which is really nice. Well, and, you, sn- uh, you snuck in to be fair. I'm not bragging, <laughs> by the way. Uh, um, <laughs> you got past my security system. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I remembered I was signing for a package when I realized that uh, the UPS guy was you, and then yes. you just and then you just walked right on in wearing the brown outfit, and yeah. uh, you made yourself a flan. <laughs> I've never seen someone make themselves a flan very quickly. Yeah, I don't know. I, I can't tell because I'm not another person dealing with me. So I, I, you know, I feel like in my mind I'm like I feel like I'm being pretty genuine and. Uh, normal, but who knows? I, I thought, oh, he's very much like Peter Sellers in that you are, are such a funny performer and then sometimes you get very quiet. I always would hear that Peter Sellers would be at a party and sometimes he'd be very quiet and people would think, well, why isn't Peter Sellers, who's known for famous for playing Inspector Clouseau, why isn't he doing all these crazy bits in the middle of the room? And And of course, that's not what he was. He was this person who could become that when the moment called for it. And I thought, oh yeah, he seems, I think Fred is kind of like a Peter Sellers type, which is a, a compliment, a huge oh, compliment, Oh, I'll, I'll take it as a compliment. And then I later heard that uh, I was reading an interview in Bob Odenkirk. He said the same thing and he hadn't even heard me say it. He just was, that was his observation. So I don't know if you must, you must get that sometimes uh, that you bear some resemblance to him in, in sort of, in, in, and except that I think Bob was very careful to say, because Peter Sellers was notoriously difficult. He was saying, you're like Peter Sellers, except a really nice guy, which is true. <laughs> I mean, I, it's a really nice thing to hear. I, I idolize Peter Sellers a lot. Even the more I find out about him, you know, he was like a drummer originally. They marketed him as like, a, that was his original vocation, was like a young British drummer. But uh, it's really, hey, I, it's a nice thing to say. But let's, let's, let's stick on that theme for a second, because yeah. I feel like drumming is core to who you are. Absolutely. I approach everything as a drummer. It could be like a pretentious thing to say, but I really do. It's just I've been drumming for so long that going up to do stand-up, going up to be in a sketch, I always feel like a drummer first, just because I've been doing it for so long. And, and, and I was in a band for so long before I was doing comedy. It's comforting. It's comfortable. It's a comfortable right. place to be, to be like, okay, this is like going on stage and, and, and playing drums the role of a drummer in a band I really like, I'll take mine off too. I'm getting warm. Yeah, I just took <laughs> off my, I was, I'm so excited talking to you, Fred, that my body temperature has gone up like 10 degrees since we started it, talking. And it transferred. Yeah, and um, so I just took off, I had this like little wool vest on and I just took it off and now Fred's taking his clothes off. Yeah. So, so far, this is going very well. It's going great. We're in sync. <laughs> I know Johnny Carson was uh, obsessed with drums and he was a very good sort of big band drummer and had a drum set. And you can tell because his rhythm and timing was so impeccable. And I think there's got to be a connection there between the way you play comedy and you plugging into some sort of internal rhythm that comes to you through the drums. Or one comes from the other, but you don't know where it starts. Yeah. When you're a drummer, you're sort of relying on other musicians. You know, you can't just... It can't just be a drummer. So I think there's something in there too, where like uh, you feel like people can lean on you and then you can, there's other people are sort of the, the center of the show. But as far as like you as a musician, I can tell that you've got a very different relationship than a lot of people with your instrument because you, I can tell you get real serious. I do get serious. You get real serious. (laughs) You're like, it's not like a goof, like, Hey, I play a little guitar. And I remember this one video of you picking up George Harrison's Telecaster. Yeah. And there's something about that, that it's not like, you weren't even starstruck, like, oh my God, I can't believe this is a Beatle guitar. You were like <laughs> in that guitar. 
you were in it. You were like, because it was really heavy. I remember you were like, wow, this really weighs a lot. But you did not, you kind of also weren't doing any bits. You no. kind of like, were like <laughs> lost in this heavy guitar. And we all know like the significance of it, you know, from it being on Let It Be and stuff. But like, yeah. um, I know exactly I'm, what you're talking about. It was uh, Danny Harrison. He had all of George Harrison's guitars. And I had told myself before I shot this thing, I'm not going to try and play it because that's disrespectful. Who am I to even touch one of George Harrison's guitars? But I picked it up and then I just thought suddenly it was just a guitar and I wanted to try and play something on it that sounded halfway decent. Then afterwards was retroactively (laughs) embarrassed. (laughs) Well, because I thought, who are you to play that? And I can't believe you just played that and started acting like it was just any guitar. And then there was part of me that was saying, <laughs> it is a guitar. And I do think George Harrison, or had he been around, well, he probably would have said, let go of my fucking guitar. <laughs> <laughs> but, and who are you? And <laughs> get the fuck out of here. But yeah, it's funny how uh, we both geek out about instruments. I remember you came to my house once because we were going to do something for a charity event together. And you sat at my kitchen counter. Yeah. And we had we said, do you want something to eat? And you went, oh, that would be very nice. I would like that, yes. And so <laughs> my wife put out some food for you and you were like, oh, Liza, this is really good. And you were sort of sitting like a kid. That's like a you were impression. A, you were like a kid. You, it was like the, the paper boy skinned his knee in front. And we said, come on in, Billy. We'll clean up that wound. And you want a sandwich? <laughs> oh yeah, I sure would. And you were just sitting there going, oh, this is very good. Mm, this is very good. Well, thank you so much. And then uh, you're like- It's, it's, it's well, because of your story. Stools, because you've got these stools that make everyone, <laughs> it, it turns everyone into a child. Yes. They're so tall that you're sort of like your legs are dangling and it just. I should tell people, yes, I have 60 foot high stools at my house just to humiliate people. So no matter who comes in, uh, you know, Clint Eastwood can come by for sandwich as he often does. And he gets in the stool and suddenly his, you're no longer intimidated because it's Clint Eastwood with his feet dangling. And um, sometimes I, I keep baby booties around and sometimes I'll just quickly put baby booties on them. And then suddenly I'm not intimidated by them anymore. He's a little cutie. Then. Yeah, he's a little cutie pie. I'm like, oh, Quinty Winty wants his pumpkin pie. And he's like, you shut the fuck up or I'll fucking kill you. And I go, ooh, toughy wuffy Clinty Winty. And then he just beats me, beats me with a stick. Uh, Fred, uh, maybe, uh, you know, uh, there's so much to talk about, but I, I saw you do something that my kids are obsessed with where it was the history of punk, I think, this documentary that you yes. did. Do you remember this? And it was such a funny idea where you're part of this amazing punk band and then you did this with Bill Hader. Yeah. But then your character is an amazing punk singer-songwriter who's incredible. <laughs> but your one flaw is that you're very pro-Thatcher. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I was watching this. And what I love is that I had seen it before and then kind of forgot about it. And then my kids who are 15 and 17 were like, oh my God, you got to see this. It's the funniest thing in the world. And they know all about Thatcher because Thatcher was explained in this season of The Crown, like, you know, her policies and how that was very unpopular with artists. And the fact that a punk, uh, a British punk rocker from the late (laughs) 70s, and you were very, (laughs) very, very, your songs would go really in depth about her policies and how they were really helpful. Helping and you got to give yeah. it time. And I thought that's one of the funniest comedy ideas. I just love that. One of the most, un, I mean, really the most uncool thing you could do in the late seventies in London is to be pro Thatcher. So, you yeah. know, or a punk and to be in part of the punk scene. So, yeah, I mean, we also just wanted any excuse to be a punk band from then, you know, yep. and yep. to, you know, get that, um, that, that TV quality, you know, like, uh, yes. Yes. Know, that video quality they had back then. So, we just wanted an excuse to do it. So. Well, you and Bill Hader clearly just play off each other so well. You like to play with other people. And right. I mean, comedically, you like to play with other people. And yeah, I can see it with it, you and Bill. I can see it in Portlandia. It's like the same thing. Like you you like to find out the other person's rhythm and then play off that rhythm. And that's it's similar also to... I'm sorry to bring it back to this, but to being in a band, it's the same kind of thing where you're yeah, like... Yeah, no. You know, I, I like playing with certain people. I'm like, why don't we just keep going and and... 
you know, turn this into something. It's fun to do this with people. Yeah. And then you get to be a part of something. So if someone else does something great, later on, you get to think, oh, uh, hey, I was a part of that. I was there, you know, so that's, that's the kind of fun of it too. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I'm in agreement I, with you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, you didn't elevate what I said. You just, you just checked it. You just said, check. But that's a version of elevating something. Checking something and moving it forward, that's part of what elevation is. It doesn't have to be uh, at another level. It's just a platform that just keeps going. I totally I've, disagree. I've, I've said, no, I, I completely disagree. I completely no, disagree. Completely, you're all completely you did wrong. was check. Right. What if you and I were in an improv group together right. and we were an improv team and all you did was I'd say, well, I sure like this candy store. They have every kind of candy. And here comes the proprietor. Nice candy store proprietor. And you said, that's correct. So you're, you're not looking at the linear time. The sketch got extended. It kept going. The audience was there to watch it keep going. You know, if, if this was a, a, a car race, if this was NASCAR, the, it can't go uphill the whole time. It can't. It, it has to be on a plane so that people can watch the cars go around. I've told you this. And you agreed with me at some point. And for some reason, you're back to this thing of it having to be elevated. It does not have to be elevated. The sketch must be elevated. Uh, and your theories, I think, are insane. Your comedy theories are dangerous. And if they're allowed to spread, it will destroy comedy. Your idea that someone in a comedy team or a part of a duo can just say, yes, correct, check. Uh, I have, uh, you may proceed. Uh, that's madness, pure madness. That well, might be at, the most dangerous. Are you done? How dare you? <laughs> speak, even look, speak to me. Let's look at let's look at classic comedy. Let's look at the honeymooners. Let's look at Gilligan's Island. Let's look at I Love Lucy. Yeah. <laughs> let's look at my three sons. Yes, yes. I, I'm I'm with you. I'm waiting for you to make a point. You can't. Please, please agree with me. Let's let's look at Voltaire. Let's look at an onion. Let's look at a jar of honey. Let's look at a bag of Let's. popcorn. Look at them all and you'll see what I'm saying. Let's. No, let us not. You know, here's what I want to get back to. You're just, you've always been Lauren Michaels' clown. I'm his clown. You're just a clown. And you know what? You need to be shoved up against a wall hard by a tall Irish guy. Yes. Who looks kind of like a woman as he ages. And I'm going to shove you up against the wall and say, you're just Lorne Michaels' clown. Look at you. Look at you. Just a clown. Is that what you're content to be? Because you could be so much. Oh, oh, just remembering right now, another thing I used to say to you is, the reason I'm so tough on you, Fred, is I know you're capable of so much more. Yeah. That was one of the things I would always say to you. <laughs> what, I liked, what I liked about it is it didn't seem like you did it to anybody else. I didn't. I don't oh. know why. I, 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 I'm honored. That's an honor. I, <laughs> I know. I just think maybe there was 15 years there where I could have been talking to you and having a really lovely conversation and finding out things about you. And instead, I was pursuing this insanity and uh, whatever. Oh, I remember something. I remember I saw you by Central Park once and we were talking about you were talking about buying property, and we mm -hmm. discussed. <laughs> well, this makes me sound like an asshole. Oh, Fred! No, no, it was actually really oh, nice. Hold on, oh, oh, Fred, 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 Fred. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, nice to see you. Sorry, I didn't recognize you instantly, but I'm thinking of buying several islands in Greece. Well, that's a great was, picture of Conan really, O'Brien. It was really nice. It was. It was really nice. I won't go into it, but we were discussing the Dakota, and we were marvel. We were marveling at it. Yeah, and there were years when I didn't own an apartment in New York City yeah. and what I would do is I would sublet for a year or two and then move and I I I think I lived in like eight apartments in nine yeah. years and I mean all over Manhattan I just kept moving like a serial killer yeah. and uh, that's all I'll say uh but I do remember bumping into you and being like, oh man, wouldn't it be cool to live, you know, in the Dakota? Yeah. Wouldn't that be so cool? They had a no Irish policy. Applying. Still up there. That sign is still up there. No Irish. <laughs> Isn't that funny that there was so much animosity towards the Irish? I can't understand. That's such a weird concept to me. Yes, it is funny until you meet lots of Irish people. And let me tell you something, Fred. <laughs> then it all makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> now, what is your... I know you have a very complicated background, which I think is appropriate because... 
Like, it's, for example, where you're born doesn't seem like the place you'd be born in. I was born in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Right. That, right. My parents went to college there, University of Southern Mississippi, and they're immigrants. My dad from, from Germany mm-hmm. and my mom from Venezuela. And so that's just where they went to school. That's where they met. German, Venezuelan, Mississippi. It's like, yeah. let's take three things that you don't ever associate with each other yeah. and put them together. And then you get Fred Armisen. Yeah. It just happened that way. They really wanted to th- study here. And that's that's where they ended up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm glad. <laughs> glad I'm alive. <laughs> I'm glad they found each other. <laughs> oh, so you're saying that you're glad that you were formed. Yeah. Huh. Well, let's agree to disagree, Fred. Uh, I'm not, you know, I, I'm, I didn't say I was elated that I was formed. I'm glad that I was formed. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, where else can you go surfing and skiing the same day, huh? I don't know. Or check out a world-class art museum and then camp at a dark sky sanctuary that night, huh? Yeah. Yeah, where else can you hike through Redwoods and then get a luxury spa treatment? Where? Well, you live there, California. (laughs) California, Sona. No matter where you go across the state, you'll find a way to play. I'm a California resident. So, Sona, you are a lifelong California resident. I'm a lifer. I love this place. This is a beautiful state. Gorgeous. So many different, wonderful ecosystems in one state. You can hang out by a Palm Springs pool. You know, you can go whale watching, you can go hiking in Yosemite, and then uh, talk about the great cities in California. You get all this amazing food, sushi, whatever you want, they got it in California. Hey, if you can't find it in California, man, you got a problem. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. I made that up on my own. Anyway, I love California. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. way in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the Jitterbug and the Watusi. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone (laughs) cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on this? Oh, yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, and you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm -hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it it's less filling Miller Lite or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality. Great taste. Only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. If most people are being honest, no one really knows what you do for work, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, especially if you're in a, what I like to call B2B. Oh, you know? what, what is that? I'll explain. Okay. That's a business doing business with other businesses. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I call it B2B. It's a little thing. It's also, uh, it's a boy band I'm working on. <laughs> anyway, fortunately, LinkedIn has a network of professionals who get what you do and you can reach the right people who matter most to your company because they're LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what they do. LinkedIn has over, this is the fun part to say, one billion members. Are you serious? Yeah. That's not, that's more people than are on earth because there are people on the moon using it and Saturn. (laughs) (laughs) That's one over 1 billion members on its platform, including 70 million decision makers. God, I'd like to meet a decision maker. Since LinkedIn members are regularly updating their work history, you can precisely build a target audience by job title, industry, company, and more. Man, you can reach 
the right people for your, I'm going to say it again, B2B business with LinkedIn ads. Yeah. Gets even better because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Mm. There you go. Just go to linkedin.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. I think you and I were in Chicago at the same time because I did a very little known kooky stage show with Robert Smigel and Bob Odenkirk. It was during the writer's strike and it was 1988 and we came to Chicago. I went. I got to Chicago in around eighty-eight, eighty-nine. Yeah, I think you got there. Uh, you, and we didn't know each other. No. Um, but uh, what I remember is they shut down the streets every ten minutes to have some kind of fest, like yeah. a jazz fest or a blues <laughs> fest, or a. And what they do is it's just an excuse to eat massive amounts of sausage yeah. and drink beer in the street. And anytime, because a lot of the streets on the north side are one way, you, I'd be trying to get to the theater and I'd be driving in my crappy 1973 Plymouth Valiant and the, a policeman would go like, yeah, you can't go down yeah. to Versi. <laughs> I'd be like, why not? We're gonna, we're having the fest fest. It's a fest celebrating fests. And I'd say, okay. And he'd be yeah. holding two sausages and I'd be like, all right. And then I'd try to go down another street and they go like, this is one way, buddy. What don't, you know, you gotta, no, that street's closed. And I'm trying to, yeah, we're having a fest fest here. <laughs> My memory of a Chicago police officer is exactly that. That voice that you're doing. I got yelled at for a double parking <laughs> and he just rolled up, rolled down his window and said, you think you're fucking special? <laughs> <laughs> and it haunts, it haunts that. The, <laughs> You should have said, you should have said, yes, my father is German. My mother is Venezuelan and I was born in Mississippi. That makes me pretty special. All right, get out of the car. I'm going to tune you up, pal. The anger, the anger directed at me. You know, Bob Odenkirk saved my life because I had parked, we had a little driveway next to like an alleyway that we were allowed to park in and it was right near Wrigley Field and I parked my... 73 Plymouth Valiant, which was mustard yellow. Uh, it's like a car from Dragnet, from the TV show Dragnet. It's like a police uh -huh. car that policemen in the early 70s drove around in that was pretty lame. I parked it in the alley and this cop came up while I was getting out of it. And he was like, oh, you can't park here. I'm going to have to write you up. And I was like, no, no, no I live here. I, I live here. And the guy started to say, nope, nope. And he started writing me up a ticket. And I started, I never, I don't get mad at the police. I started to get really mad because this was just incorrect and wrong. So I started to say like, no, no, no. Hey, listen. Hey, listen. And Bob put his, uh, started to get near me because Bob was from Naperville. And he, so he was, he knew like, don't talk back to Chicago cop. Yeah. Yeah. And the guy looked at my license plate and saw, said New York on it because I had driven from New York. Oh, I was a writer at Sound Out Live. And he looked at me and as he was right, as he was handing me the ticket, he looked at me and said, why don't you just go on back to New York? Ooh. And I started to get really mad. And I started to get like, I almost I like stepped towards the cop and I was like, go back to New York. You know, do you know that? And Bob put his hand on my chest yeah. and looked at the guy and said, he gets it officer. We're good. We're good. And he led me away and was Great. like, you don't, you don't do that, Conan. You don't. And I was like, I later, real, I later realized that, yes, Bob was absolutely right. And that he probably, I'd be in jail right now in Chicago. Wait, why, <laughs> why were you in Chicago? So you- There was a writer's strike in 1988 and I was a writer on Saturday Night Live. And so Robert Smigel and Bob Odenkirk said, hey, let's go to Chicago. We know some really good performers there and we could just- Instead of just sitting around on our asses during this writer strike, there's nothing to do. Let's go to Chicago where they had some connections and let's do a, a little show and we can perform sketches that we never got on Star Out Live because they were too weird. And so ah. we did that and it was really fun. I mean, it really solidified my get up in front of people bug. Bob is great. Bob is a real, he makes things happen. He does. He's a force. Bob is a, uh, is a force of energy and always was. I remembered seeing, uh, he did a one-man show. Uh, <laughs> there's a famous biography of uh, Jerry Lewis. And the photo is, of course, Jerry, Jerry Lewis and half his face is painted like the clown and the other <laughs> half is, is sad, yeah. you know? 
which is <laughs> pretty mo- pretty mawkish and yeah. uh, inexcusable. But that was the, and so Bob, <laughs> it's it one of my favorite titles ever for a one-man show. It was Bob with half his face made up and the other looking sad. And the title of the show was Half My Face is a Clown. <laughs> so, and then Bob did this one-man show that was absolutely hilarious. And, uh, and I remember he just made this happen. So anyway, yeah. Yeah. I hate talking about how talented and funny other people are. All right. No, it's you. It was all you. You inspired him. Hey, thank you, and, Fred. And you, and you, you elevated his... Show just by yes. being there, just by being there, I think I elevated it. Uh, yeah. I would often just say, "That's right, Bob," from the audience. Oh, because- buddy, that was my Bob. <laughs> <laughs> you know, your Andy is really good. Your Andy impression. Once in a while, you do him, and you sound like him. Hey, everybody! <laughs> no, I always do just to, just to make it, just to be. We're very dickish with each other all the time, but in a loving way. I uh, I think at least it is on my part. <laughs> He's always telling me you're a sociopath and a freak, and I think that's a great riff. Uh, good one, Andy. Um, Andy Richter will come in the room, and I'll just in front of everybody say like, "Hey, I'm Andy Richter, and I'm stupid." <laughs> And then, of course, he'll uh, let loose on me for 20 minutes. Uh, so that's the basis of our relationship. Good. That's I, healthy. That's a healthy I do all kinds of impressions, you know? I mean, just throw anyone at me and I can do an impression of them. Oh, okay. Let's see. How about Biden? Can you do Biden? Hello, governor. <laughs> um, was the voice president and I'm a b- 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 president. That, that's like a, a recording of Biden. It's great. <laughs> Close your That's eyes. Right. Close your eyes and tell My me who I'm doing. Closed for the, I can see. Here you go. His eyes are closed, and here we go. Hello. Oh, I was voice president by January 20th. Oh, boy, president. Who is it? That was a recording of Biden. It must yes! Be. That's an actual recording of a speech he gave yeah. to Parliament a week parliament. ago. Yes, he flew over there to tell Parliament... <laughs> To reassure them that he would be the next president. To reassure them? Well, you know, people are worried. Will Trump <laughs> yeah, really yeah. step down? What yeah. if something crazy happens? And he went over there and he went, eh, and he did that voice to convince them it's all going to be okay. It worked. Yeah. <laughs> How are you surviving this pandemic, uh, Fred? I mean, you're a guy who needs a crowd to feel validated, to feel alive, and look I, at you. It's been so far okay. I mean, I've gotten to do work stuff. I mean, um, Get to play music. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm not happy that it's a, a pandemic, but you know. Did you say you're happy it's a pandemic or not, <laughs> not happy? happy? I couldn't. Oh, you're not happy. Yeah. So, how about you? What about me? What do you know. What do you want to know? You bringing? What are you doing right now? You just. You can't stop my podcast and just say, "How about you?" What, it's what it's about? not stopping. It's the, I haven't stopped the podcast. You just stopped it cold. No. Yes, it's a part of the podcast. It's a part of it. Hey, what about you? Silence. I like the hey. silence. Uh, the silence part of it is it says a lot. What about you? And we just leave it there. <laughs> People can picture your face. They can imagine, you know, what are you thinking about? Also, I suppose you already answered it. You, you had already answered that you haven't been sick. Yes. So it sounds like, you're, sounds like you're doing well. My heart is now beating... I think it's two beats a minute now mm-hmm. since you did what you did and stopped this podcast cold. No, I we started a new podcast. I think that moment was a different podcast. Welcome to Quiet Time <laughs> with Fred Armisen and Conan O'Brien. Aren't you We're, proud of how much I got together t- with technology? I've got my laptop here. I've got my microphone. There were many things that were asked of me, which I don't mind doing, but... I Can I, really I'm going to pay you a compliment. Uh, because of the pandemic, uh, we are doing this uh, remotely. Uh, I don't know exactly where you are. I think you're in Havana. I, I'm in Havana. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you're in a lovely music space. There's some drums behind you, I can see. Yeah. And uh, this is the compliment I will pay you. We always, our tech people always have to get on the line with whoever we're dealing with for the, for the zoom and for the audio yeah. hookup. And they have to spend about 15 minutes 
getting them all straightened out on how to yeah. do it and saying, no, okay, now Mr. Danson, press this button, now press that button, now drag that over here. And I'm, I'm not sig- signaling out or singling out Ted Danson to be cruel. He just, he had a lot of trouble. And they have to do this with me every single time. They have to do it with, in fact, we were doing it uh, just before I talked to you. And I think you got to hear some of it where yeah. it's like they're talking to a chimp that's in outer space and they're trying to get it, bring it back to earth. And they're saying, no, no, Bobo, no Bobo. <laughs> Grab the big blue lever. And then they just hear my, and so they have a really hard time talking me through this. Uh, uh, Matt Gorley, testify that this is exactly true. Yeah, it's like teaching a small mammal to build a nuclear bomb. It's incredible. <laughs> Why is it so complicated, though? But, uh, because I, the other part of it, though, I'm just not a tech person. But so I said to my people today, okay, we probably got to get going uh, you know, with Fred. We're going to have to give him time to get set up. And they said, oh, Fred is a whiz at this and he's going to take care of it all himself and he'll be ready to go whenever you're ready. I didn't realize you were a tech I'm not genius. A whiz. I'm not a whiz at it. I mean, I was, you know, I wanted some credit for getting it together, but- uh, That's I'm, all. You go in the Hall of Fame, Fred, of all the guests that you're up there, top five. I, I mean, maybe top three even. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, I really do think it's a lot of luck. Because I've also had calls and interviews or, or Zooms with, where I've frozen, where something wasn't working, where something didn't record. Uh, it's all, this is luck. I'm going to tell you, and this is not just blowing smoke up your ass, but about nine months ago, I did a podcast episode. You can listen to it um, with uh, the ghost of Steve Jobs. And he couldn't get online. He didn't know how to work. <laughs> he didn't know how to work a computer. He had all kinds of trouble and it took us forever to talk him through it. So you, by comparison, are, are fantastic. I mean, th- what you did was, was very impressive. Thank you. Yeah. In fact, you've just been moved up to top two. You and J.J. Abrams. Wow. Oh, that's really? right. Yeah. J.J. Abrams was off the charts. Well, how so? Well, he was giving us tips. <laughs> yes. We were trying to walk him through like, okay, open Outlook. Now drag this window over here. And he was like, you know what you can do, oh. <laughs> you know, is you can go over to the edit window and you can pull down to this bar. And if you triple click this, <laughs> you create, if you triple click it, <laughs> oh, don't laugh. Like that's not a real thing. I'm still on open Outlook. That's got me. <laughs> all right. Okay. Let's all laugh at the idiot. By the way, this is what my son does. My son is 15. My son Beckett is 15 and he's really good. He's very good at computers. And all he ever does is I say, so wait, so when you click that file and he goes, excuse me? And he won't right away. He'll just smile a little bit and go, excuse me, what? And I'll say, you know, when you, and he went, what'd you say? And I went, come on, Beckett, just how do I? And he'll go, no, no, just want to hear what you were going to say. And I'll go, when you click on, and he went, click on it? When you click, you don't click. And then he'll- He'll wait, wait, what break. am I missing? What yeah, exactly. I'll say, what do you, well, I, uh, first of all, that was a bad example because I think you do click on a file. Okay. What I'm saying is, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It says I'm a man, I'm a man from another time. I write with parchment and quill. I walk through the fields. I breathe the air and I appreciate what God has made, not man. So, to be hounded and ridiculed because I'm not a computer fellow, I find to be harsh and unfair. I leave it to you. What's my judgment? We are, do you want us to apologize? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm, I'm that much of a whiz either. Well, compared to me, uh, whenever I try and do anything on the computer or on Zoom, within five minutes... There's peanut butter all over my face and I'm crying and I don't even have access to peanut butter. And, and, and Sona's always there. the computer. Yeah. Sona's always there saying, what did you do? Sona, come to my defense. Tell them I'm really what, am. To your defense? Yeah, t- yeah. No. Tell them I'm a real There's computer a- man. He's a real computer man. <laughs> what is that? Even when you're trying to fake it, it's it's just, there's no way it's believable. Well, Fred, what I'm trying to get to is you seem to be good at very many things. You are a musician, comedian, a writer, a producer. You do voiceover. I have been told yeah. by a little bird that you don't like to go to the beach, that you hate the beach. I hate it. Not only do I hate the beach, I feel like... 
for my whole life, I've been dragged to the beach by family members. Just like my life is people saying, You've, this time it's going to be great. And every time I go, it's just there's too much sand. The power of the, of the water is too much for me. I don't understand the waves. I don't, I don't like that there are so many animals in the water. I, I don't like the sun. I don't like the parking lot, the walk over, carrying stuff that's full of sand, the exhaustion driving back to the house. I really am not a fan of the beach. I've never had a good time at the beach. Yeah, I heard that you were, uh, that you were really didn't like the beach, and I, yeah. I bring it up because I relate. I am ah. not built. I am not built for the beach, and it goes yeah. back to my childhood in the early '70s, before the invention of sunscreen, when my parents would take all six kids to the beach, and I have. I'm completely. I'm as. I have no natural sun protection. I have a few freckles uh, and red hair, and they'd take me to the beach, and there was no sunscreen that worked back then because, you know, there was there's nothing that really worked. So my mom would put a white Hanes <laughs> T-shirt on me and say, this will protect you, short sleeve. <laughs> and I'd go in the water with a white Hanes T-shirt, which is a really sexy look, by the way. And... <laughs> What I later learned is that uh, that magnifies the sun. <laughs> and then I would get horrible burns and chills and shivers, and my, my skin would come off in sheets. I, the water part, I also don't like. Like, there's this, you know, hey, let's go into the water. And it's always, first of all, it's scary before you go in, hey, watch out, there's a riptide or whatever it is. And you go in, and when you're in the water, you start getting pulled and everyone thinks it's funny. What part of that am I supposed to enjoy? Being dragged around. And it's a, it's a risk to your life. What, what is the fun in that? Well, that, first of all, it sounds like you're going out in very t- dangerous waters. No, uh, no, no it's one, any beach. The, uh, the, no, no, yeah, that's not true. Not, not everyone has the experience of the minute you set foot in water, you're being torn asunder by forces you can't understand. <laughs> I don't think anyone here would agree with that. That is not, that's you going in maybe, yes, during a, you know, class six hurricane, but uh, no. No, I would disagree with you that people wouldn't (laughs) agree with me. I think people would find the same experience. We're talking about childhood. So maybe to me, when I was, you know, five and six, yeah, to me, it must have been like a hurricane. You're not looking at- Let me ask you something. uh, Let me finish. You're not looking at you're not, <laughs> the entirety of someone's life and their experience with the ocean. Now, if I exaggerated the feeling, okay, it still is a feeling that existed at some point. I, don't, I, I rest my case. No, I don't, validate your, <laughs> I don't validate your feeling. I think it's a false memory. The most interesting part of what you said is that you said I was being pulled underwater and everyone was laughing. Yes. That's the part as your therapist that I want to close in on. Who's laughing at you, Fred? <laughs> Why are they? You're drowning. Why are they laughing? I don't think. You know, let me clarify. They're not laughing at me. I think that when people are out in the ocean, they always seem to be laughing. They're just like goofing around and laughing, like this is fun. That was my observation, Mr. O'Brien. Not that they were laughing. <laughs> Excuse at me. <laughs> it's Doctor O'Brien. Doctor O'Brien. <laughs> well, I've talked to you now for a good long time, and I deem you insane. I think you're very troubled. Uh, I look into your eyes and I see a man who's still desperately trying to be Lorne Michaels' clown. You've never found the real you. And you still haven't found the real you. What do you think? I think um, that the way that you're reflecting that is that it is in fact you. That there is no me. (laughs) Maybe you're talking about a reflection. Oh my God. (laughs) You know, we we both have our glasses on. It's <laughs> it's true. Maybe I it's, maybe I don't exist in that that realm. Maybe it maybe it's maybe I've been talking about me the whole time. Yeah, yeah, Conan. Fred never even got on the Zoom call. <laughs> Fred was never here, was he? No, <laughs> he failed. To, he's because he's not good at tech, and he couldn't log on. And this whole time, I've been talking to myself. You're in comedy, but you love music. That's me. Yeah. Uh-huh. You're Lauren Michaels' clown. That was always me. You're German and Venezuelan. You're German and Venezuelan. <laughs> That's me. Yeah. This has always been me. I don't like the beach. That's me. It's this you. This is me. And it's me. Think of the name. It's, it's, a, it's an anagram. 
What? <laughs> what? I can't think of the name. It's a it's made up. Conan, Armisen, Cred, Kono. It's it's it's. There, this there is was insane. a joke in the name. There was this insane. Anyone listening to this right now is their mind's been blown because what they're listening to is about them, not about either of us because we don't exist. That's all it is. That's all it ever was. We were always back home in Kansas. There was no Oz. There was no Fred. There was no Conan. It was just you, it's the listener. No, there's no cops. Think about that. There've never been. There've never been cops in Chicago ever. Think about it. Think about it. This was incredible, man. I'm so glad we did mushrooms before we spoke. Yeah. I'm so glad. I was. Wasn't sure we should do this, but you insisted, and I got your FedEx package, and I just chomped him down. You know what? I, you know what I felt bad about what? saying that I've been to your house. I was like, "Am I disclosing something?" Like people, no, people don't want to know that. No, no, people are allowed to know that I live in a house. That's fine. You didn't disclose anything. I think the part that was creepy is I'm walking through the park one day when I see Conan, who starts babbling about real estate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm listening and I'm like, that guy's an asshole. <laughs> land, Fred. You must consolidate land. And Fred, if people are squatting on that land or making their living on that land, you must evict them so that you can amass more land. That's the picture of Conan O'Brien you painted. I'm that sorry. I find. Well, whatever. Fred, I will say it. Uh, you are a delightful person to talk to. You make so much funny stuff that makes me really happy. And uh, I'm glad that you were born. I will Aww. say that. I know we brought that up earlier. I was kind of 50-50 on you being born, but now I'm definitely 70-30. <laughs> well, thank 70, you. 70-30 that I'm glad you're born. 30% wishing never had been. <laughs> the feeling is mutual. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm 60-40 with you. Who can say? <laughs> No, Fred, I really, uh, a delightful, and I can't wait to have you in my house again soon, and you can sit on a really tall stool, your feet dangling, and I'll make you a, you know, peanut butter and honey sandwich. And, a glass and I'll say, of milk. thank you. Thank you so much. Wow. Thank, thank you. you. Oh, wow. This is really <laughs> cool. Thanks. So oh, cool. Great. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Liza. Oh, well, that's, oh, look, this table holds things. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> oh, look. Look, this, this stool supports me. Yes, that's nice. Uh, Fred Armisen, God bless you, sir. God bless you. You know, it's only a matter of time until your check engine light comes on, which could equal an expensive repair bill, and a new engine can cost up to $6,000. Don't I know it. But this is why you need this product I'm about to mention right now. Okay. CarShield. Mm. CarShield offers plans with low monthly rates that you can pay for your expensive repairs on your out-of-warranty car, truck, or SUV. It's so nice to have that protection of car shield. I know. I believe. That's my belief. Some people have other beliefs, maybe religious beliefs. I think car shield. Car shield plans provide protection on up to 5,000 major parts and systems, including items like transmission, mm. engine, even your entertainment system. Mm. Just call car shield and choose the mechanic to do the work. Car shield administrators will handle the rest and save you money. Look, I saw your car today. You've got a beautiful car, but you've got a haul your family around in this yeah. car. This is a vital piece of machinery for you. You need Car Shield. I do. And you know, I you know I don't take care of my cars very well. So Car Shield it would definitely come in. You know, and also with their A rating from the BBB, don't ask me. Car Shield is the name you can trust to save you money on covered auto repairs. Now's the time to make the smart choice to protect yourself from the sky-high auto repair bills. Visit carshield.com/conan. Save 20% today. Again, that's carshield.com slash Conan to save 20%. Visit carshield.com slash Conan to lock in your price today. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. This is unbelievable. I've been talking about this idea for years. I know, I want you to explain it more. I can. Okay. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required access from anywhere. I had this idea years ago. <laughs> I was telling people, no one listened to me. 
You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems. Remember when I said that? Yeah. Because you've got one unified, unified business, business management, management suite. suite. You yes. said that. Yeah. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math, man. Yeah. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Conan, netsuite.com slash Conan. I'm going to say it one more time just for emphasis, netsuite.com slash Conan. All right, let's do some review the reviewers. We haven't done that in a while, and I've got a good one here. Okay, by a good one, I hope you mean a positive review. Uh, yeah, generally, it's from Nat's Insider. It's five stars. Well, sometimes if I were an assassin, if I really wanted to take Conan down, and I'm talking about myself in the third person, I would give myself five stars so that then the review would be read. Oh, oh yeah. See what I'm saying? No, I think you're safe here. It's just an issue that's come up. The title of the of the review is Shirt. Huh. And okay. it go, goes like this. Hi, Matt, Sona, and Conan. Huh, top billing. The show is awesome. <laughs> However, there is a problem with the merch. I bought a Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend t-shirt a while ago. It has orange lettering on the top and gray lettering on the bottom. The problem area is the microphone in the middle. I have been told on multiple occasions that the microphone, in fact, looks like a phallic shape from far away. <gasps> What should I do if people say I'm walking around with a penis on my shirt? Well, we didn't have an actual microphone <laughs> to use as a rendering, you know? We oh, didn't no. have. <laughs> no, no, no. So we were forced, <laughs> no. and this is something I'm not thrilled about. I'm mm. a celebrity, so it couldn't have been me. No. But our uh, engineer, Will <laughs> Beckton, volunteered. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Will! And so what we did is we drew his penis, which is very microphone-shaped, <laughs> And he was called in his single days, ladies raved about, I just had a great date with the mic. <laughs> How do you think he got into this business? And uh, I went on mic last night and, um, you know, all those kind of puns, hot mic, all that kind of stuff. And so we did that and then just cleaned it up a little bit. But yeah, it's, uh, it's his penis. Huh. No, I don't know what to say to that. I don't have that much control over the merch. I um, found a photo of it. Let me see. Oh. Does it look like a penis? Yep. I see it. From far away, yeah. Yeah, but it doesn't look like a penis. It's not bent to the side. It's not- Oh, whoa. <laughs> asymmetrical. It doesn't have weird sores. Oh, come on. How is that a penis? <laughs> Doesn't, doesn't have a strange odor. It doesn't, this is not a penis. It doesn't confound urologists worldwide. It doesn't cause women when you're single to say, I can't do this. You seem ill. This, this is in no way is this a penis. I could do this joke for so long, and I know that I've gone longer than you thought I would, but I'm going to keep going. There's no way this looks like a penis. It isn't. Uh, a source of worldwide derision. <laughs> it's not listed as a medical malady in the New England in the New England Journal of Medicine and Lancet magazine. It doesn't need to be soaked every night in a series of creams, bombs, and ointments just to keep it barely functioning. And I mean barely. How is this a penis? And it's erect. Penises don't do that. <laughs> Conan's self-deprecating riff went on for 95 minutes. <laughs> you had to download the podcast in two parts. <laughs> Look, I'm sorry. I did not. Uh, I mean, I feel bad because I should be, um, you know, I should be all over it, right? I should know. Not really. I didn't but, even but, know either. Yeah. Why should you be all over merch? I think... One of the things that would fix this is if they put a little bit of texture on the top of the mic <laughs> to give it the look of a screen. You know what I mean? And, little yeah. little and dots. Two reel-to-reel tape spools at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Reel-to-reel tape spools at the bottom 
and some sort of, I don't know, way that the tip of the mic can receive the sound, some kind of a, a slit or something that allows the sound to go in, you know? And to show you that the mic has been uh, well-maintained, maybe a little oil spurting out of it. <laughs> from the, These are just from my the suggestions. Uh-huh. Yes, from the top. Yeah, Nat Insider, we recommend you take a Sharpie to this thing and fix it. Yeah, fix it based on my specific, (laughs) Matt, and my specific instructions, and you'll have no more penis talk. (laughs) (laughs) Call us from jail. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I'm so glad my parents don't listen to this. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend with Sonam Obsessian and Conan O'Brien as himself. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. The show is engineered by Will Becton. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call. Text or chat 988 for free confidential support anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel.